What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily Chang, and you're listening to Bloomberg Studio 1.0. It's a game that's taken the world by a storm royale. In just three years, Fortnite has racked up hundreds of millions of users, hosting celebrities, celebrations gone viral, and popular dance moves that may well define a generation. The game's creator is a generally under-the-radar billionaire who avoided the spotlight until slamming Apple and Google with explosive lawsuits, accusing the tech giants of illegally using their alleged monopoly power to suppress app developers, including Fortnite maker Epic Games. Apple countersuit, saying Epic wants a special deal, but that the playing field for all apps is level. We sat down with a man behind Epic Games just before the lawsuits were filed, as he was firing the first shots in what is now a battle royale. This is my conversation with the CEO and founder of Epic Games, Tim Sweeney. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Now, you've been making games for decades. You've seen the rise and fall of so many different kinds of devices, platforms, and technologies. Now you're criticizing Apple and Google for being absolute monopolies in terms of how they run the App Store, how they run the Play Store. What do you mean by that? You know, uh, so first of all, the you know, the market is Google and Apple. That, those are your two choices for mobile platforms. Um, Apple says, if you don't like our platform, use Google, and Google says the converse. Um, but you know, the problem is these companies are using their uh, control of the operating systems powering the devices to exercise a monopoly over all commerce. Apple says, if you build an app uh, for our platform, first of all, you can only distribute it through their store. They don't allow competing stores. Like imagine a town that only allowed uh, Target and disallowed any other stores from building, uh, you know, building venues. I mean, that's totally un-American and uncompetitive. Um, but that's exactly what Apple does in uh, an absolute sense. Apple's rules simply prohibit it. And whereas Google uh, has created a, a semi-open platform with Android, the core of it, the software is an open platform, but then they layer on all of these business terms with a Google Play Store and with Google Search, um, which force everybody to uh, force all of the carriers making devices to lock it down and limit it. But the effect of that is that Apple and Google are taking 30% of all revenue through commerce. They're deciding what kinds of apps you're allowed to build and which ones you're not. Um, and they're preventing entire categories of innovation in technology. Apple also says 84% of the apps on the App Store are free. And I've talked to plenty of developers who are grateful for the services that Apple provides. Don't you think you should pay some form of rent, if you will, to access those services? The, the problem with the 30% that Apple and Google charge is it's completely disconnected from any actual costs of their business. Um, 
and Epic, we know this. We run a store. We run the Epic Game Store. Um, Epic has processed over a billion dollars worth of direct transactions uh, between players and and our company on uh, Windows, on Mac, and on Android. Um, and we know the cost of operating the store. The cost of operating a store is five to seven percent of revenue for Epic. And Apple and Google have way, way higher economies of scale. Um, and you can break down the cost by component. Um, and it has nothing to do with these rents that Apple and Google are charging. And so, yeah, and Epic is always happy to pay providers for a fair service that they provide. And we like to choose between providers, right? We'd like to choose between Apple's payment service and PayPal and MasterCard and Visa and make them compete uh, to offer the best rates or the best quality of service. Um, and, you know, Apple and Google are entirely denying that in the way they've locked their platform down. So you use the word monopoly. Yeah, it's, well, it's a duopoly. They're two companies uh, together. They control 100% of uh, the smartphone market or something like 99.9%. Uh, they have monopoly and they have business practices that only a monopoly could get away with. You cannot explain what they're doing in any terms other than compulsion. Now you launched the Epic Game Store for Windows and Mac and you charge a 12% fee. Why do you think 12% is fair? Well, you know, we looked at the cost of operating the service, um, and they're really transparent, right? Payment processing, two and a half to three and a half percent in major developed economies, as much as six uh, to eight percent in developing economies. Um, bandwidth is one to one and a half percent. Customer service, one to one and a half percent. And so we're able to operate our store, charge 12 percent, and make a you know, five to seven percent profit margin for ourselves. And so it's not altruistic, right? This is a great business. Now, here's what the companies are saying. Google says it's maintained uh, and committed to operating an, in an open and principled way. Apple has said the complaints about the App Store are baseless from a handful of companies who simply want a free ride, don't want to play by the same rules as everyone else. We, Apple says, want to maintain a level playing field where anyone with determination and a great idea can succeed. What's your response to that? Well, you know, I think Google is in a better position than Apple. Um, Google does have a semi-open platform where users can install software from uh, means of their choice, but uh, they use their agreements with OEMs and carriers to prevent actual competition. Um, so, you know, that's our problem with Google. Uh, Apple is being entirely disingenuous. Um, if, for example, Every time we've communicated with Apple about our desire for an open platform and freedom to process our own payments, we've said we want this for the whole industry, not just for ourselves. And Epic does not want a special deal from Apple. We don't want a special deal from Google. We want wholesale policy changes affecting all developers, um, which free the software economy for everyone. Um, and Apple's playing field is the most uneven in the history of, of technology products. This playing field between Apple Music and Spotify is completely uneven. Apple keeps 100 or Apple receives 100% of their revenue um, from you know their music service, and then they can use that to pay out artists. Spotify only gets 70%. So in negotiating terms with artists, um, Apple is in a 30% better position than Spotify, um, and you know it completely distorts the economy um, of apps. Do you think Apple and Google should be broken up? I, I think that's a. Uh, I think they should fix their policies and practices, um, and I think uh, we should let you know, the market speak for itself. Uh, breaking a company up is the kind of the ultimate solution to a company that refuses to follow the laws um, and implement fair business practices. Um, I, mean, I would certainly hope that 
cooler heads prevail and that Apple and Google, instead of going through the process Microsoft went through, where Microsoft lost a decade fighting this antitrust case, and ultimately I think their services would be better from competition. Look at Microsoft now versus the crappy version of Microsoft that existed you know, a couple of years after the antitrust settlement. It's a far better company, it's a much more valuable company for shareholders, and most importantly, it's a fair company. Tencent, which is of course a huge Chinese technology, owns a huge stake in Epic Games, and a number of these US tech companies have made the argument, if you break us up, then that gives China and Chinese tech company an advantage. Wouldn't that be a bad thing? I think breaking up is the not a justifiable solution um, as long as there are better remedies. Um, you know, all we need are these companies to change certain of their practices to unleash the United States economy to fully compete. Right? You know, I think America will come out much much stronger if the. Uh, you know, if these services are all allowed to compete with each other and American companies will invent businesses that don't even exist yet. And Fortnite and Minecraft and Roblox and Microsoft's xCloud service um, and Spotify and entirely new categories of apps that are not allowed to exist under Apple's current regime uh, would take off. And, uh, you know, I'd see I think you'd see this company leading the way again. TikTok has been scrutinized because of its Chinese ownership. You've got U.S. companies banning it. You've got the president suggesting it could be banned at a time that uh, U.S. And, Ch and China tensions are at an all-time high. What do you make of that, given the stake that Tencent owns in your company? Well, you know, uh, Tencent's an investor in Epic, but it doesn't change my opinion on anything. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, it's really important to have law and due process involved in these decisions. Um, if TikTok were found to be doing something wrong, um, then they should be punished for that. Um, but I don't think it's right to assume that uh, consumers should be denied access to this over just a mere fear of something wrong happening. I, I think you need a higher standard than that, and you need some due process. Um, and if we in the United States were starting to make arbitrary decisions to just block random competitors, then you're really no better than uh, China with its own form of protectionism, where China denies Facebook access to China, they deny Google, uh, they allow a few things, but um, most stuff like Fortnite, we've been asking uh, for permission to release it in China for three years, we've been denied all along. And I think uh, we should be pushing for a level playing field between countries, um, and we should not be reverting to, well, China does it, so we should do it too. You're listening to my conversation with Tim Sweeney, CEO and founder of Epic Games. Up next, how the technology behind Fortnite powers everything from content in movies to enterprise software. And we go deeper into the metaverse of gaming, where multiplayer experiences are becoming social experiences. I'm Emily Chang, and this is Bloomberg Studio 1.0. So Fortnite was a sensation long before the pandemic, but how much has COVID-19, the sheltering in place, the quarantining intensified the engagement that you're seeing? You know, we've uh, we've seen some peak uh, numbers over the past six months. Um, you know, Fortnite comes up and down based on events and seasons, um, but we've seen higher engagement now than at any time in the past. And um, you know, it's just proving that technology can bring us together even when we're physically separated.
Fortnite now has hundreds of millions of accounts around the world. You've got famous athletes doing Fortnite celebrations when they score a goal. Even my kids know how to do the floss. What do you think it was about the game that made it so viral? You know, it's a very inviting and welcoming game. Um, you know, and all gaming starts really with the serious gamers, the hardcore gamers who have an Xbox or PlayStation. And, uh, you know, when they play Call of Duty, their classmates or, uh, you know, college mates or office mates um, look at the game and they're like, well, that's not really for me. But when everybody saw Fortnite, I think everybody saw a game that they could enjoy and make their own. Um, you know, and we see a huge number of uh, people who are not traditional gamers in the game. Um, we saw at one point the population of Fortnite was 35% female, which is um, really, really high for a serious action game. Um, and I think it's the combination of the art style and the good spirit of Fortnite. You know, it's, a, it's very easy to be funny and, uh, you know, spontaneous in Fortnite. And it's very hard to be negative towards somebody because there's just no, uh, no negative emotes. You've got Star Wars and Marvel characters on the inside. You've got the rapper Travis Scott doing a virtual concert inside. I believe that attracted like 12 million viewers inside the game alone. What's next? Well, you know, the, the magical thing about Fortnite is it's not just a game. It's a place where you can bring together brands and performers and artists and musicians and all sorts of different people um, to create a really exciting community event. You know, the long-term future for Fortnite will be opening up more and more to community creation so that you don't need to do a deal with Epic to bring your concert to Fortnite, but anybody can build that stuff um, you know, in the environment we have using the Unreal Engine tools and uh, bring their experiences to Fortnite, um, whether it's an event, a concert, a movie, IP, or a car, or anything like that. Let's talk about the movies. You're working with Hollywood studios on content creation while content has been stalled in the middle of the pandemic. Talk to us about how your technology is being used, for example, to create a movie like Mandalorian. Well, you know, the Unreal Engine technology that's powering all of this, it hit a point about five years ago where it's capable now of real-time photorealistic scenes, scenes that are difficult or impossible to distinguish from reality. And at that point, Everybody outside of the game industry became interested in it um, you know, for virtual production of movies, for architecture, for design visualization, if you're designing a car or uh, any, you know, any sort of consumer product. Um, and you know, that's, that's brought a lot of growth um, in bringing the technology outside of the game industry. Now, Fortnite came out in 2017, but as I understand it, you started developing it in 2011. What happened in between? I, I believe there were some peaks and valleys. Yeah, you know, at the time, Epic was developing the Gears of War games, um, you know, for the Microsoft Xbox as their primary effort. And Fortnite actually started out in a game jam. A team of about 10 people got together um, over the course of the week and built this experiment called Fortnite. Um, and um, we, we spent about seven years with a small team just trying different variations of it to try to find the magic of it. And at the very end of the experiment, um, after we built up a you know, a cooperative uh, single, a cooperative multiplayer game, uh, Battle Royale became the hot thing in the industry. Um, and we built Fortnite Battle Royale and that turned out to uh, drive really exponential growth. Something like we've never seen at Epic or even in the game industry before where we reached 350 million players worldwide in uh, you know, just the course of a few years.
Now, Sony took a stake in the company, valuing Epic at $18 billion. How do you make sure this isn't a fad, as so many games are, and that Fortnite has staying power? I think we're seeing something magical happening right now, which is the birth of a new medium. Um, and Fortnite's, well, Fortnite's leading the way in a lot of ways, but there's also Minecraft and Roblox. What we're seeing is games, once they reach a certain level of popularity, um, as multiplayer experiences become social experiences in themselves. Um, players not only use it as a way to entertain themselves playing the game, but also to, as a place to meet with their friends. And unlike Facebook or Twitter, they're not just typing messages or chatting by video. They're actually in a real-time 3D world um, where they can have fun and engage in all kinds of entertainment experiences. You know, and science fiction literature calls this the metaverse, and nobody knows exactly what the metaverse is, but we're, we see a number of games all on the path to, to creating this. And I think it's that, that possibility of a real-time 3D social space that eventually grows to reach billions of players um, together with the real-time digital content industry that's powering it, right? Bringing movie content into Fortnite and music content into Fortnite and all of these other forms of, of brand media and brands converging on a real-time 3D space. Everybody shares a vision that um, this is going to grow into something that's quite different than a traditional game in the past. Now, I'd love to talk a little bit about your story. I have three boys, so I'm very curious about this. I know that you're the youngest of three brothers. I know that you were tinkering a lot at a young age. What kind of a kid were you? Well, I was really, I was introverted. Um, I, had a, I had two big friends that we'd, uh, we'd always go out and explore the world, uh, the, the woods and build forts and uh, try to stay out of getting in too much trouble. Uh, but I spent a lot of time just doing solitary things. I'd build go-karts um, and uh, then I got into computers and I think from the age 12 onward, uh, when my brother got, uh, got me a, the first, this Apple II, um, <laughs> I, I spent the majority of my free time programming. Um, I spent more time programming than in school or sleeping or any other thing, and uh, I just love it. Yeah. Unlike mechanical devices, a computer can do absolutely anything if you can figure out how to give it the right instructions. It sounds like every child's dream to become a video programmer. And I know that in the past you've said you went from mowing lawns to becoming CEO of Epic, but really like what happened in between? How did you make that happen? Well, you know, I counted, I actually did some math. I figured I spent about 12,000 hours programming from the point when I first got a computer to the day I made my first dollar actually selling software. Um, it was like from, uh, gosh, 19, 82 to 1991. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what it took to become good. Uh, in the meantime, I, I mowed lawns so I could buy more hardware. Um, yeah, my, my teeth are pretty crooked, uh, but there was a point where my, uh, you know, my parents said, gee, Tim, you should get braces. I'm like, how much do braces cost? And it cost about $1,000. It's like, well, you know, that's what an Apple disk drive costs. So I got a disk drive and I have crooked teeth and uh, no regrets. conversation with the CEO and founder of Epic Games, Tim Sweeney. Coming up, the game maker's response to sexism and violence in the gaming industry, and how the company plans for the future. Will there be more games that can rival Fortnite's popularity? I'm Emily Chang, and this is Bloomberg Studio 1.0. Stay with us.
Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. How have you been spending your pandemic time? I, I believe you, you, you don't have kids, right? Um, h- how are you passing these, these days <laughs> sheltered in place? I have been just generally a lot outdoors a lot more. And that's my observation. When I was growing up in the 1970s, your neighbors were outdoors all the time, and you just be constantly socializing with them. And it's mm-hmm. like that again now. For some reason, COVID has brought back those old habits of uh, getting together outside and spending more time in the outdoors. There's definitely an irony there that the CEO of Epic Games is saying to get outside more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, you can actually build a real fort in the real world. Uh, They work. You also bought the group chat app House Party last year. And who knew that we'd be in the middle of a pandemic now and House Party would be all the rage. Well, I guess you did because you bought it. Uh, but it is now the site of, you know, virtual family gatherings, trivia nights in, in my house. Um, did you did you know what a hit this would be or has it surprised even you? We were really surprised by the order of magnitude growth uh, of the app in COVID. The experience is almost entirely positive. Um, you're with a small social group. You're not being bombarded with global news or propaganda on politics uh, or you know, other algorithmically curated thing. It's just you hanging out with other people and talking to them in a fun way. But you know, the future of, of all of these platforms is connecting users, right? Fortnite does it, House Party does it. And you know, our vision is to connect more and more of these services together so that we can serve more users, each using you know, these communication tools in their own way. The video game industry has also been criticized for sexism, for violence. I mean, Fortnite is a kill or be killed game, but you made it cartoon style with bananas instead of blood. Much of the Fortnite team, uh, the core of it, uh, were the developers of Gears of War, which uh, you know, one of the weapons was a chainsaw that you'd use to chainsaw through creatures and it had a shotgun mounted on it that you could use to shoot them too. Um, you know, a really bloody game. Uh, but yeah, these people uh, compared to 20 years ago, uh, you know, they grew up, they had, they got married, they had kids, they started families. And, uh, you know, I think a, a real part of the effort was a, a desire to build a game uh, that everybody could play. And you didn't need to feel bad about um, when you're talking to your friends about what you do for a living. Um, and so you have a game that still it has guns because every game just like every movie, every Shakespeare play is in some sense about human conflict, right? And in a game, you know, this is just one way to conduct it. But I, I think Fortnite shows that you can have guns and a fun experience without blood, without death. You know, ultimately you get teleported out of Fortnite um, when you're eliminated. Um, mm. I think it shows that you can, 
there's a big spectrum of ways to present um, human conflict uh, that does not need to uh, you know, encourage violence or, uh, or bad behavior. So what is your vision for Epic? You know, what do you think the next big hit will be? Well, I think we're, we're seeing the birth of a new kind of entertainment experience, uh, which suggests that we might not just be moving from game to game and trying to create a hit uh, each time around, uh, but we might have you know, some games become a permanent part of uh, gaming and people's lives. Um, games like Fortnite and Minecraft and Roblox you know, some of these have got, Minecraft has gone on for more than 10 years. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that these might grow to the point where these games become platforms themselves. And that's very much what we're trying to do with Fortnite, to open it up so that anybody can build their own fun experiences in it. Fortnite Creative Mode is version one, but there's a whole lot more in the works. Um, and, you know, we think if we can turn it into an outlet for everybody to create new experiences that still gel with the Fortnite world and art style, um, then, you know, it could it could be a forever game, perhaps, um, you know, in the same way that you don't ask like, okay, uh, so what service are we going to move on to uh, once email is no longer cool, right? So the vision is for Fortnite to last forever in some form. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, and if it's not Fortnite, if we fail in this effort, then I, I do believe that some games will succeed um, and that we'll see, you know, a medium takeoff, which resembles the metaverse from science fiction more than it does resemble a traditional game, um, which is a constantly evolving online social experience for people that hosts vast amounts of user content from millions of people. Do you believe that we're living in some sort of simulation of someone else's mind? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. It, it, that's always been a great mystery to me, um, the frontier of the laws of physics uh, versus our observation about reality and God and souls and all of these things. Um, it's, a, it's a great mystery. And uh, unfortunately, you don't find uh, out the answers until it's too late. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Tim Sweeney, the founder and CEO of Epic Games. It's been wonderful to have you here on the show. Bloomberg Studio 1.0 is produced and edited by Kevin Hines. Our executive producer is Candy Cheng. Our managing editor is Danielle Culbertson, with special help from Mallory Abelhausen. I'm Emily Chang, your host and executive producer. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.